This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, the knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 57. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that you've had an amazing week. I know a lot of people are very busy at the beginning of the fall, starting new projects, going back to school. I know I've been really busy. So I hope all of y'all are taking some time to do your self-care stuff, integrating that into your routine. I know like when you're really busy, it feels really hard to take the five or 10 minutes out for meditation or journaling or connecting with your higher self. And so what I've kind of realized recently, because I've had a lot on my plate each day, the moment I wake up, I'm like, oh, actually, I don't have time to do that stuff. I need to get to work right away. And then this week, I kind of realized, no, no matter how busy you are, connecting with your higher self has to be the priority and that has to just be incorporated into your routine in a new way. Like now that your routine is different, your practice has to be adjusted for that, right? So I'm right there with you. You know, sometimes it's not the easiest thing to do our little ritual, to do our meditation, to prioritize processing our thoughts and our feelings and find the higher self perspective, but it really, really pays off, especially when we're really busy. It's really easy to get caught up in our stress, and stress just adds an extra layer of difficulty on the already busy schedule that we have. So let's make that part of our fall routine too. Okay, so when this episode comes out, it will be Wednesday the 22nd, which means you only have three more days to subscribe to our Patreon so you can take part in our first ever live show on Zoom this Saturday. The live show will be on Saturday the 25th at 4 p.m. Eastern, and I will be sending out private links for the Zoom to all of our patrons. I'm looking forward to it so much. I'm a little nervous to answer your questions live, but... I think it will be a growing experience for me and it will be great to meet everyone and maybe see your faces, but you're not required to turn your camera on. (laughs) Don't worry. I also have a little special thing planned for the end of this episode. I will be reading some listener responses from the Higher Self Community Discord. As I've mentioned before, we started a Higher Self Community Discord server, and one of the chat channels is for feedback and responses to Exo Higher Self episodes. It's just another way to share your listener response. So if after this episode, you have some feedback or similar experiences, or maybe you just want to share your thoughts, hop on the Discord server and share them there. 
You can also still send a voice memo recording of your listener response as well. Links to the Discord and the Patreon are in the show notes. Somebody mentioned to me this week that the link wasn't working, so I double-checked it. It's working now. So make sure you hit those up after you're done listening. All right? On a personal note, Kara and I will be celebrating our three-year wedding anniversary the day this episode drops. I just can't believe it. Three years already. Sometimes it feels like we've been together for a really long time, and sometimes it feels like we just met. After Kara and I started dating in 2016 was when I started making the higher self memes on Instagram. And, you know, they have been so supportive of the work from the beginning and so encouraging and have always given me their feedback and just really supported me, especially on the days where it was really hard. As much as I love doing this, you know, of course I'm human and of course I get overwhelmed sometimes with the responsibility and, you know, posting all of the time and, and all that stuff. And they've just been really, really grounding for me and supportive of my inner journey. And I hope that I've been supportive enough of theirs. And now they produce this podcast and help me in so many other ways. So I just want to say... Thank you, Kara. I love you so much. Happy anniversary, baby. All right. I've babbled on a bit, and I don't want to take any more time. So let's get the question started. Hi, Bunny. Um, I'm just a really big fan of your podcast, and I listen every week, and I... And finally sending in a question. Um, and I think it's really about, like, how do you let someone go? <laughs> um, I uh, don't know that I want to sh- share all the details, but, um, you know, I, uh, a few months ago I broke up uh, with my, my partner and... Um, for the last 60 days, we've been doing a no contact uh, period. I'm working a lot on my codependency, and so that no contact was, you know, in support of my codependency recovery. And I, after talking to my sponsor and um, my therapist, I've decided that I need to extend the no contact period for another 60 days. Um, because what's really coming up for me is like all of these ideas about like romantic intimate relationships that like they're the only relationships where I have any sense of like perceived control. I know it's not real because like even in romantic relationships, I cannot control the other person, but I am I am learning that I have this belief that I have control in those types of relationships, and um, and that you know, getting just to the sixty day mark, it feels like I'm just getting into kind of the meat of a lot of my codependency, where I am really wanting to reach back out to them, mostly just because I feel lonely and that's not like those aren't the conditions that I want to reconnect with them under I you know I uh and I'm just also realizing that um I I broke up with them 
Um, because, you know, I, we, my needs weren't really getting met. We just, like, weren't a match. Um, and, but I, I'm realizing that I'm still, like, I am anticipating that eventually we'll get back together. Or, like, I'm sort of, like, waiting to get back together with them. Or, like, maybe I can, like, in my mind I, like, have this idea that, like, if I can, you know, heal myself enough, work on my codependency enough, then I'll be able to get back together with them. Um, And I uh, am feeling frustrated around that with myself. Um, And... And, you know, also, like, looking back, like, friendships that have ended, previous relationships that have ended, like, I don't know that I have can say that I have really let those people go. Like, thinking about certain, like, previous friends, previous partners, I still get really activated thinking about them. Um, and I feel like maybe I just have, you know, I distract myself from these the loss of these relationships as much as I can, but I haven't really accepted that they're over and I haven't really let those people go. And yeah, so I guess I'm just uh, wondering, yeah, how how do you let people go? I, uh, I don't feel like it's something that I have ever done or know how to do. Um, and thanks so much for being you and... Um, making this podcast and um yeah thanks hi babe well i want to separate letting people go from letting go of the attachment because you have let them go you walked away you made a boundary you stuck with it so let's first acknowledge those choices because they weren't easy to make and the fact that you are working on your boundaries with your therapist and your sponsor and sticking with it is proof that you have actually let this person go in many ways and you need to give yourself credit for that Just because this person or other people in the past can still elicit feelings of loss or confusion or attachment when you think about them doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. Missing someone is a natural feeling and it's a testament to how much that relationship meant to you. If you didn't care about that person, it would be really easy not to think about them or miss them or want to contact them. Your codependency issue that you are working through actually has much more to do with you than the actual person. It has much more to do with your relationship with yourself and learning how to be your own supporter and learning how to trust in your own strength and fortitude. Part of that is really just growing up, growing into your own strength, understanding your own needs, and practicing validating yourself. There is nothing wrong with you. You are just growing spiritually and emotionally and you're getting over a relationship. I feel like you have sort of attached to this label of codependent person. And so every time old feelings come up, you're like, see, it's another sign that I don't have my shit together. You said not talking for 60 days was part of your codependency recovery. And okay, that is true in one sense, but it's also just part of of a breakup. Not talking after a breakup is healthy no matter what issues you're trying to work through. Learning how to depend on yourself is part of your emotional maturity and that only happens through experiences. 
So right now you're still figuring out ways to help yourself during this process. You mentioned in your voicemail that you want to reach out when you feel lonely. Well, that's totally understandable, but you don't have to reach out to them, right? You can reach out to a friend or a family member when you feel lonely. Part of lessening your dependence on one person is expanding your support system. So if you don't feel close enough to other people to reach out to them when you're feeling lonely, that's an indication that you need to reach out anyway because that's how you build closeness. That's how relationships grow. You put effort into making that happen. And trust me, there are people in your life I know who would love to be closer with you, who would love to build that intimacy. I just want to make something clear that, you know, this term codependent, I feel like the conversation doesn't always extend to interdependency, right? Like some people have to be dependent on others in certain ways. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. The key to relationship is interdependence. So if it's only one way, yeah, problems may arise. But I also just want to point out that there are times in our life where, or certain circumstances in people's lives where they need to be dependent on other people. So I just want to separate that out because I think this term codependent has has the stigma within like a spiritual community and The way that you're working with it is absolutely correct. I just wanted to expand the conversation to also include the fact that there are people in their lives who, for their own reasons, have to be dependent on other people. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You also mentioned that a part of you is anticipating getting back together with this person. And Although that could be true for your future, because you said that you weren't compatible, part of me wonders if that is just how you've been able to justify thinking about this person, even though still thinking about them is totally just part of the process of breaking up. I guess what I'm trying to say is that things aren't as dire as they seem. All of this stuff you're going through is healthy and natural, and you are doing a really great job at taking care of yourself. It will get easier with time. Things will become more clear. Don't be so judgmental of your process. Hi, Bunny. I just started listening to your podcast and felt super inclined to send my own question because your answers were so inspiring and it was also just really inspiring hearing other people sharing their vulnerable questions. And I feel like vulnerability is such a superpower. And so here I am. So in the last few months, um, this guy started talking to me and I am like thick in my healing journey. I started going to therapy almost a year ago now um, and have just been uncovering and unpacking so much and it's been hard but it's been beautiful and so when this guy reached out to me I was my walls were up and I was like no you know and who are you like what do you want you know like you know my walls were up I was very defensive and um but he just like kept being friendly and like kept reaching out to me sending me playlists like doing these thoughtful things um And it was kind of like, 
it was just so much and he was just like giving me so much love um and I barely even knew him and and the more that I got to know him and the more that we connected we started like facetiming and talking on the phone and the more that we connected the more that my walls kind of started to go down because I was like okay like this person doesn't seem like they mean me any harm they seem really cool we're really spiritually aligned he's been great at communicating great at listening um just like seems like a really great guy and I had come to this conclusion that like I didn't think I was ready to be in a romance and I definitely didn't want to jump into a quick romance because and historically I've had a really bad time a really bad habit of doing that and a really bad time when I did that <laughs> but so I had kind of laid down this boundary after I realized that we were getting really close I was like hey I can tell that we're both attracted to each other romantically, but I need to lay this down. Like, I need us to just be friends for now. Like, I don't know what's down the line, but right now this is where I am and this is where I need you to be at if you can be. And we were really on the same page and he felt the same way. And I was like, great. And then we just kept getting closer and closer, but I could tell like we were still kind of flirting with each other and there was still like that sexual tension and I, my feelings started to get kind of distorted and I found, I found myself kind of teeter-tottering between, oh, I know I laid this boundary to just be friends, but also I might be really into this guy. And so he all of a sudden like shifted like two months into our connection and decided that he wanted space and needed space because he needed to sort some things out in his own life and deal with his own stuff. And it was really triggering for me. I told him it was really triggering for me. He like, we had this conversation about it. I thought it went really well. I set some boundaries to help myself through that trigger, you know, had therapy sessions about it and it was, it was fine. You know, like I worked through it and tried to learn the lessons that I could. Um, but now I just feel really confused. I feel like he's come to me saying again, like, I don't want a relationship. Like, I'm not ready to commit to a, a romantic relationship, but I like want to keep growing our friendship. But now I'm kind of feeling like I don't really know how I feel about this because I think I'm feeling romantic feelings for him even stronger now. And in combination with the triggering, it's made for a really weird cocktail of a connection and I just don't really know what to do at this point um I don't really know if I should keep trying to be friends with this guy that I liked in the past but I'm not really liking his present behavior and um the way that he's like kind of treating our connection um and I just don't I don't know which one's the real him and if maybe I should just let it go because it's bringing me grief and anxiety and confusion and I hate those feelings so <laughs> thanks hope you can help hey sweetheart well it seems like even though you wanted to create a boundary you still had romantic feelings for him even though y'all said you were just friends and so now that he says he just wants to be friends you feel a bit rejected and triggered before, you were in control of the situation, and now it seems like he is. But this isn't a rejection, and you are still in control. You are getting exactly what you said you needed. 
and what you told him in the beginning you needed. And so from his perspective, since the flirting and stuff still went on, but you said you didn't want a romantic relationship over time, he probably felt like there needed to be more of a boundary for him. The same boundary that was supposedly being created in the first place, but wasn't really completely respected by either of you. It seems to me that both of you are trying to make the healthy choice and respect each other. Sometimes doing what's right doesn't feel so great or exciting or glamorous. And even though the flirty, let's just pretend we're only friends thing was fun, it seems like it's run its course. So you need to do what you need to do to take care of you. Basically, you're back to where you started and you are getting exactly what you asked for. And the universe is giving you exactly what you need to keep healing. I understand feeling triggered is hard, but the past experiences this is triggering for you isn't what actually is happening. And this is an opportunity for you to look at that. You know, when our triggers come up, it's like, We don't just try to do everything we can to avoid them. And then once they happen, we're like, oh, something is wrong. This is horrible. No, it's an opportunity to look at these triggers again after we've had some growth and try to create some new perspective around them. Like, what is this trigger actually telling you? What are the fears that it's bringing up? That you aren't worthy, that you're never going to find a good connection, that you're not healed enough. You know, where is this taking you internally? And how can you bring your higher self perspective into that? How can you transform the thought around the trigger so that the next time this happens, it might not take you to a place of overwhelm because you have that shift in perspective in your back pocket. You know, that's how we change these things is we work through them, we process them, We journal about them. We do a writing exercise where we write the higher self perspective down. We put the effort in. Healing doesn't just happen on its own. And you know that. So this is just another experience that's showing you the places that you still need healing and that you have the power to heal. I have no doubt that this person really does care about you. And since you really care about him, I'm sure you want the best for him too. Your higher self uses every experience to bring you closer to accepting yourself just for who you are. This experience doesn't take any bit away from it. It only solidifies your journey. Trust yourself. You know what is good for you. So follow it. The following question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. My question is in regards to psychedelic drugs. I have introduced psychedelics into my life over the past year, specifically psilocybin mushrooms. I took them once last year and had such an amazing experience. I felt so much happiness and childlike wonder during that first trip. My second trip, however, which was a few months back now, was very shocking and upsetting. I had what you would consider a bad trip, and for much of it, I was crying hard and not able to stop. This loss of control really threw me for a loop because I was with great friends that I could trust and felt safe with and was in a beautiful setting in the forest, which is the type of environment I tripped in the first time. 
Much of my struggle was centered around ego death. Like I didn't know who I am anymore or what I was doing in life. And I also felt a lot of shame that my mind was going to a dark place and that I was having a bad trip. I don't like that my subconscious mind thought this way, but I felt weak for having a bad trip because I thought I was mentally stronger than that. I should mention that I suffer from anxiety and depression, but I don't have any other mental illnesses that I thought would not make me a good candidate for using psychedelics. This experience left me feeling a lot less secure about my mental health. This past year has been the hardest time of my life, as it has been for many people, and I thought I was in a better place now that I was last year, but this bad trip has made me feel like I haven't made as much progress as I thought. I'm still left feeling confused why this happened. I thought I was going to continue using psychedelics periodically in my life, but now I'm hesitant to try them again in fear that my next trip will be like my last. Any insight you have would be so helpful. Thank you. Hi, hun. You know, just because you had a quote unquote bad trip does not mean you are somehow mentally not strong. Psychedelics are very powerful and it's really difficult to know exactly how much you are taking. Like one certain amount of mushrooms one time doesn't equal the same amount the next time in the sense of like how powerful they are. And before I go on on this answer about psychedelics, I just want to say beforehand that I have used a lot of plant medicine in my own healing journey with psilocybin, ayahuasca, you know, and that has been part of my journey, but I don't think it is for everyone. So I don't want anyone who is listening to this thinking that I'm encouraging them to do psychedelics. I think that it is your personal decision. I also understand that some people who are sober and live a sober lifestyle feel like plant medicine is not part of their sober lifestyle, and I totally respect that. And honestly, if there's a part of anyone that feels like, no, this isn't for me, I definitely would encourage them to trust that feeling. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your experience. You said you experienced an ego death where you didn't know who you were anymore. Going through that is definitely going to feel scary because in our lives, we're so used to identifying with how the world sees us. You know, our bodies, our jobs, our families, our relationships, our likes, our dislikes, all these things that our ego defines us by. And what can happen when you take a large dose of psychedelics is all of those things are kind of stripped away from you and you become more identified with spirit. But that can be a really unsettling experience. If you've never had that experience before to that degree, your fear from that was natural. It doesn't mean you're not strong enough. But what happened was the moment you started to feel afraid, which is totally normal during an intense psychedelic trip, you began to judge and shame yourself for feeling scared on top of it, which then made it worse. The reason why psychedelics can be healing is because they show you how powerful your mind is. First, by helping you realize you're not your thoughts 
and then expanding your perception to see what you choose to think about literally makes your reality. That's why some people feel like they're dying or experiencing some kind of ego death because they are given like this bird's eye view of their life and they can see all of what they have created. In some cases, what they see is really difficult to look at, especially if it's painful, especially if they're looking at stuff that they haven't wanted to look at in their past. A lot of people do ayahuasca ceremonies to heal experiences of abuse or addiction. And you wouldn't necessarily say that it was fun, you know, to look at that stuff. And I think sometimes what happens when people take mushrooms, you know, because sometimes they can be like a really fun experience and a pleasant one, it's easy to assume that it's always going to be like that. But just like we have different days and different moods and we're going through different things in our life and there's different moments of our healing, like We can't predict exactly what's going to happen. We can't predict exactly where our minds are going to take us. We can't even predict what we're going to feel like in a day, you know? But whatever you go through can help provide a lot of clarity on how to face those issues and how to change them. What I'm sensing is that what you saw was your own shame. You got lost in your own self-judgment and turn the experience into an indication there must be something wrong with you. As if being mentally healthy means you won't experience any fear or that you should have total control when you take a bunch of psilocybin. You were literally experiencing an ego death and then on top of that was like, what's wrong with you? You should be totally chill about this. Do you see how unnecessarily self-critical that is? I've had a lot of challenging experiences similar during plant medicine ceremonies as well. You know, scary experiences, things that I saw that brought on a lot of fear. And what I began to see over time is that the moment I remembered love during those moments, it totally altered my experience. It totally shifted it. There was one particular time during an ayahuasca ceremony where I was feeling awful and you know crying and seeing all of these really dark stuff and I was very sick to my stomach and all I could see around me was like these rotting things and the dirt and like all these worms and I was like freaking myself out and then I remembered love and this light shined on me and the worms like started to float around and kind of dance and I was like oh, they're so cute and sweet. They're just like little creatures. (laughs) They're not scary. You know, it's all about your perception. And love is always the answer. Love is what keeps you safe. Whether you're tripping or not, your thoughts can literally create heaven or hell. That is why we're doing this work. You know, that's what healing is. It's learning how to choose love. And see the world and yourself through that lens. That's what your higher self is. 
psychedelics can be a tool to get you there because they give you a visceral experience of your own mind. But if you don't take the lessons and apply them when you're not tripping, the experience will be in vain. One thing that has really frustrated me about the way some people use plant medicines is they assume just taking them is all they have to do. And so they have these life-altering insights, but they don't do the work afterward. And then when the high from the experience wears off, they want to do them again. But it's not the plant medicine that heals you. It's you that heals you. Another thing I want to mention is that taking a very large dose especially if you don't have a lot of experience, is going to be really challenging. And so if you want my opinion, if you do decide to do it again, I would take a much smaller amount. You can have a lot of really healing, beautiful insights without the intensity. That's why microdosing has become really popular. And I also want to say that it's normal to feel unsettled after that experience even if it was a positive one, because it can make you feel very ungrounded. So make sure you're getting enough protein and doing things that bring you back into your body, like exercise. I know it's really easy right now for you to look back at this and be like, I didn't handle it well. But truthfully, you did because you did your best. This isn't like a competition over who can handle their psychedelics better, you know, that like that's not what it's about. Sometimes it's really, really difficult and that's normal. And I don't want you to judge yourself for that. You did nothing wrong and you shouldn't shame yourself. Please take this experience as a lesson to not be so self-critical. A lot of what can happen is a lot of letting go you know, and so all of that crying that you went through, a lot of that is just releasing all of the stuff that you've been through in the past year, you know, and having to release and unload all of that stuff isn't easy. It was very brave of you to embark on that mental journey, but you don't always have to be brave in that way. The entire purpose is to learn how to love yourself better. And for that, all you need is yourself. So give yourself that love now. The lessons are continuous. I'm still learning lessons from my experiences because it's just part of your journey. Everything that happens, every experience that you have is part of your journey of learning how to be more loving, whether it's through psychedelics, whether it's through relationships, whether it's through your job, it's all part of the same plan. So cut yourself some slack, be kind to yourself. You did it, you got through it, and you're doing great. All right, this final question is from an email. Hi, Bunny. I'm finishing high school right now. I'm doing a couple low pressure courses as part of grade 12 plus. Right now, I'm trying to decide whether I should move out or not. I have a healthy household, loving enough parents, but I'm definitely the main factor in the chaos between me and my parents. I mean, they contribute enough to that with their own flaws. Either way, something isn't working, and I fight with my family every night. My brother says homophobic things towards me that add up, and my parents don't really support my identity as a non-binary person as much as I feel they should. 
just to set the background of my home life. I need space, but university is so expensive. I have to pay for most of it myself, which feels like a big price tag on independence, even though I think I desperately need it. What do you think? For reference, I live in Canada where tuition is deaf cheaper than the USA, but with scholarships, grants, I'll still have student debt. Am I being too idealistic or am I just terrified of the possibility that I'll exit university with no job? I think my fear is governing this decision too much, but I will acknowledge is a huge risk to move out or is it? My mind is a mess, lol. It is possible to move out and I know I can do it, make moving out work if I work really hard. It doesn't feel like there is any better option between stay at home and move out. Move out and have debt. Take the risk that I will struggle financially for many years. Of course, there is the possibility I will thrive and have enough grants, work opportunities, etc. to support myself. And in the positive light, I'll be living in a city I'm inspired by. Run the household I want, be surrounded by more creativity in a bigger city, and be in a city where I have found an amazing university program I'm super passionate about that isn't really offered anywhere else. The city I have in mind is Montreal, and I am in love with moving there. I visited and had an amazing time, and I am just lit up inside thinking about the connections I could make there, the people I'd meet, the community I'd form. If I stay in my hometown, where there is a university but with few programs I'm interested in, I'll be somewhat more financially secure, have guaranteed stability, but I don't know that I can stay here for another year. The passion, the drive, the inspiration I get from moving would be lacking if I stayed home. It is potential financial repercussions if I move versus potential emotional and creative destruction if I stay, lack of growth, lack of self-confidence. Not sure if this is enough to work with, but I wonder if you have any guidance on this. Love your podcast. Just trying to navigate this through the lens of my higher self and some exterior guidance is needed. Hi, babe. Well, you know, it's not my place to tell you what to choose, obviously, but I can tell you that when you are inspired and taking care of your emotional health and living in an environment where you can be your authentic self, there really is no limit and possibility for you. I know it will take really hard work for you to live on your own, but sometimes what we really want takes hard work and that hard work can actually be really thrilling when we're working for what we want, right? It concerns me that your brother is homophobic and your parents don't know how to support you the way that you really need. It's really important to be in an environment that supports you thriving, not just surviving. Think about it this way. If you had roommates, right, that treated you that way, would you try and find a new place? Moving from home is scary and there is risk. But if there is one thing we learned about during the pandemic is that nothing is truly secure or predictable. We can't know the future. All of our predictions about the future are based on our past experiences because that's all we know. 
And it's really easy to confuse what is familiar with what we should stick with. Sometimes I think about what if I never risked it and moved to New York and tried to be a successful artist? What if I stayed in Texas and got a job where I had a predictable salary? And when I think about that, part of me is like, wow, it would have been really nice to always know how much money is coming in, right? Sometimes I wonder, what if I never risked it and quit my waiting tables job and started to work on the higher self stuff full-time? That was a huge risk. And honestly, it still is in a lot of ways. Recently, I saw this meme that somebody posted and it was like, I quit my nine to five to work 24 seven. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is too real. I know I'm in a time in my life where I have to work extra hard because I'm building my business, but it's worth it. There are times in our life where we have to get that fire in our butt and kick some ass because we believe in ourselves. You should never sacrifice necessary rest, but Maybe you're going to have to sacrifice, you know, going out on Saturday nights or being able to watch that Netflix show for like eight hours straight. Or maybe, you know, financially you need to sacrifice getting yourself that new outfit or stopping getting that daily iced coffee from the coffee shop. Maybe you're going to have to sacrifice a relationship that doesn't support your dreams Or create boundaries so that you can stay mentally and emotionally focused on what you really want. There are times in our lives that push us. And those times are a bit scary. I don't want you to stay at home because you're assuming you can't handle it. I want you to stay at home if your heart is telling you that's what you need. And if you do decide to move out and then you get to Montreal and you realize, actually, this isn't what I'd hoped for... You can always make a different choice. The cool thing is you'd be surprised how much the universe will support your dreams when you are inspired enough to work for them. Finding the joy in the process is the key to opening up all possibilities. And you sound extremely passionate and inspired And I have every confidence that you're just going to keep growing your light and sharing it with more people and being your creative self. Your future looks very bright. And there are times in our life where we really need to channel into the faith in ourselves, let our higher selves guide us, not fear. I know you've got this. Okay, now I'm going to read a couple responses from our Higher Self Community Discord server. These are in response to last week's episode, episode 56. SoftCloud wrote, Really appreciated the question and answer from today's episode about losing yourself in a relationship and overgiving to someone who isn't reciprocating. I've been in that situation too, and being free from the relationship helped me to reflect on how I romanticized the other person and put them on a pedestal, and how I repeatedly neglected my own needs and connection to higher self in order to sustain the connection with someone who I felt was better than me. Bunny's response was so well said, and I'll probably replay it 
a few times just as another reminder for when I get into my next relationship to always stay in contact with my higher self and intuition. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing, SoftCloud. Yes, it is so important, no matter if you're single or in a relationship, that the relationship with your higher self should be your number one priority. It doesn't make you selfish. It actually makes you a much better partner, a much better friend, and it gives you that spiritual strength to know that even if a relationship ended, that you would be okay. All right, Stacy on Discord wrote, I was so excited and moved to hear about the long distance relationship story because I have been dealing with similar thing for almost seven years. I dated someone long distance for four years. I thought we would get married, family, kids, the whole heteronormative fantasy. It was a really loving, passionate, intense relationship. We got together right after a close family member died. So when we broke up, it really tore me open again and I didn't date for a long time. After all these years later, I find myself having emotionally intense dreams about him where we're in love again and it feels so wonderful, but it's so confusing. It brings up all these questions. Am I still in love with him? Are we meant to be? We haven't talked in six years. Checking in with my higher self, I realize that in being in a long distance relationship, you create this idealized fantasy version of your partner for when they're not there. I think I continue to carry that with me after we broke up and that person represents a time when I experienced radiant, radical self-love. So now when I dream about him and we're together, I interpret it as a visit from my higher self reminding me that I deserve to feel good as I did then and don't need no man to love myself. Thanks for reading. Love you all. Ooh, I love that redirection. I love how you redefined it. That's really taking control. That's really utilizing your higher self, shifting that perspective turning it into love amazing thank you so much for sharing and if you have any responses be sure to get onto the discord and share them there and i would love to be able to read them on next week's episode okay y'all that wraps up this week don't forget subscribe to the patreon i can't wait to see you all on the live zoom this saturday all the details i will be sending to you you will be able to write in questions in the chat. It's going to be great. And if you can't attend Saturday, don't worry. I'm also going to be sharing a video recording and an audio recording for all the patrons that were unable to attend. All right, babes, have an amazing week. Take care of yourself. Remember, shift that perspective when you need to. Bring that love in. Seeing the world from your higher self is like taking off a dark pair of sunglasses and actually seeing the light. But only you can take them off. No one's going to do it for you. All right. I love you and so does your higher self. I'll see you next time. Bye. Exo Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 